Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 296 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are in the media pit for the final episode about the 2022-2023 Cyclocross season. And for this episode, we're doing our postseason awards. Uh, If you are a subscriber to... The CX Hairs Bulletin, which you should be and you can be by going to cxhairs.substack.com, uh, you you would have received a ballot for the People's Choice Award. And we're going to take that idea, that ballot, and go through all of the awards that Zach compiled, and we're going to give our own picks. And this was a a fun conversation to have. I I enjoyed this uh, episode a lot. I hope you all do as well. Cyclocross Radio is part of the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. There's a lot of buzz about independent cycling media on the internet right now, and one of the first homes of independent cycling media was the wide angle podium podcast network we may not be the the biggest outlet out there but uh we are a feisty one (laughs) and we'd like you to be a part of it Uh, on the network we house shows such as the slow ride podcast nowhere fast criterium nation Rodeo and also Cyclocross Radio. So head on over to WideAnglePodium.com, hit the donate button, and become a member so we can continue to provide you with the shows that we do already and to get better in the future. All right. It's episode 296 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Zach and Michael... It's the media pit. We're doing our postseason awards, and we're doing all of it right now. We are back in the media pit to do the annual. I don't know how how many annuals is this? Is a second annual, third annual? We'll call fourth. We'll call it third. Third annual. I don't know. I'm not good with numbers. That's why I went to law school. Uh, third annual end of the season awards. Is this is this like the new thing? Do I ask Michael about what, if he's been out for any rides? I, th- I think that's the new thing. Michael, give give us the ride report. Uh, ride report. Gravel season is over. Bandit cross season is over. Uh, all road bike group rides from here on out. We're doing a, there's a uh, motorsports track here and they're doing bike night. On Wednesday, open it up to the bikes. So that's the next thing. We're going to try and organize some bandit training races on the track. So give, give me the best, you know, upcoming road type event or event that, that you'll be going to. That's like some bad uh, road race pawn or something like that. It seems like y'all got a lot of those. So what's the, what's a good, what's a good upcoming race? Well, I got actually a race coming up that I'm working for, and actually it's a badass event, like as in good. It's called the Rouge Roubaix, a little there bit of pun go. on on Paris Roubaix. Um, but that's coming up this this uh, this Saturday. It is. It's not quite a road race, not quite a gravel race. Um, 150 miles of true grit, no 150 k of true grit, 
roads so bad you wish they were gravel. That's their tagline. I'm working on a promotional video for them. So to all the listeners of the Cyclocross Radio, I hope next year you'll come down to the Rouge Bay. Uh, Will, you just send your invoice to uh, Cyclocross Radio for that promotion there. Do you really live in a cycling town if you do not have a race in your area <laughs> named after Paris-Roubaix? Zach. I'm glad you brought this up. I was going to say one thing that I am grateful for about like the proliferation of gravel is that people are less and less. I feel like the OGs all named their names after Roubaix. Like literally every race that was remotely gravel, you know, 10 years ago was that we've, we've moved beyond that. We've moved beyond that. And I'm really happy that that's occurred. Um, but I guess maybe you're not an OG cycling community if you do not have some sort of Roubaix. You need a Strade now. Now every, yeah. every 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 town needs a Strade. Right. I mean, because so you know they had the 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 Belgian waffle ride, right? That was sort of after Roubaix. Let's go to the Belgian waffle. Let's let's take our road event and and add some Belgianness to it. Um, but yes, now let's do Italian gravel. I like it, Bill. That's that's the new hip thing. All right, Zach. You you put out on the bulletin. It's Monday now, as I believe. And uh, you put out a, a People's Choice Awards and gave uh, subscribers to the bulletin an opportunity to vote on not only best riders, but also best races and best storylines for the year. And I figured that's a good framework for us to go from for this episode. So it's, it's in your hands. If I'm not mistaken, Michael, didn't we call this the Golden Tubies last year? Oh my God! Did Does we? that ring a bell? We because I felt like we had to have we had to have a name, and it wasn't like you know for Grodio we had the Grodies. That one made sense, but I'm pretty sure that we settled on the Golden Tubies. Because Is this ringing a bell? Tubulars, right? That's that's the not yeah, not yeah. inner tubes. Yes. Okay. I, I, they they were. I feel like we had like a Degas trophy or a like Dugast Dugast trophy. We were giving out Degas trophies. No, am, am I? I feel like I remembered that. You guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. I think the most fun part of this post post recording is going to be going to last year's episode and being like, "What did we call it? Was Michael right or was Zach right about what Michael called it?" <laughs> okay, so the golden tubies. Yes. Okay, so I, before for, before we get any further, I mean, we'll be releasing the results. But my favorite part of this endeavor so far is we've had some massive ballot stuffing. On behalf of one J Money. So J Money is probably going to end up a winner. And kudos to him. I mean, there were no restrictions on him. I mean, it was for subscribers only, but he got a hold of the link to the voting form. And there he is stuffing that like it's, you know, a vote for the All Star game. Just millions of votes flooding in. So if you see J Money winning, it is the will of the people, but he's probably going to win. And me- next year, if we do it, might have to make it J Money proof. I don't know. But Bill, you were saying you actually give kudos to him. Yeah, I mean this this is isn't this what we're always telling these riders that you have to be self-promoters to succeed in in cyclocross and especially in domestic cyclocross and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to win races, you just have to win over the hearts and minds of the people and I I I think nothing and and evidently just threaten that you're going to do more TikToks if, <laughs> if, if threaten if people don't vote for you. So, yeah, I like yeah, I like no. you, you find your niche. You got to find your niche, you know? Sometimes it's the uh sometimes it's p- 
putting it's hand drawing your jersey sometimes it's the type of gear you're on you know like disc brake guy rim brake guy you know we'll, we'll find that writer next year um here here's if we're st- if we're just uh, on a little j j money kick here here's my question for you all are the jerseys getting too good Zach. I brought this up. So we okay. had a, a reader spotted him at a gravel event and, you know, it's his credit was like tag me, which I appreciate. You know, like we've been on the J money beat this year. Uh, and my response was that kit looks way too nice. And then he was like, yeah, but he I, his shoes were ugly or something. I'm like, but the kit was too nice. <laughs> if 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 mom and Sharpie in the kits, I mean. Is is that points off? Or yeah, that's not J Money? Money brand. Like, first, I think it's his girlfriend who does it. Um, and yeah, it's got to be like keep the sharpie. You can't. She does the nice ones. Mom did the original. The girlfriend, I think, is doing the oh. tailored J Money. Bill, the only way I'll forgive him is if we get kind of like a J Money clothing line, and like with the small monsters kit that Bodie was rocking this weekend. That if both him and Emily can rock J Money kits within the next six months, all is forgiven. I, I yeah I I endorse that. I'll rock a J Money kit if he's gonna put it up and he's gonna pick a you know a good foundation. Like let's like like I'm sure there's you can buy so like black bibs. There's got to be someone that who's making just white jerseys like cheap. Buy a bunch of those, hand draw them. I'll buy one like sign it. Maybe he can put my name on it too. Oh, you know what he you know what he should do too is like just like rip each sleeve a little bit and then put like a um like a safety pin back together and then it can just be like uh and and just have like a little ribbon on it and just say like pre-ripped by J Money or something like that <laughs> or J Money Authentics. <laughs> J Money. I like it. All right. So I like doing the year-end awards because I think, you know, we have the cyclocross season. It started way back in September. We've had a lot that's happened since then. It's kind of fun to look back and, you know, remember the season. Every season is kind of its own thing. And I kind of briefly commented in the bulletin post that I think that, generally speaking, this cyclocross season was better than average. I think we had a really awesome domestic season, great USCX series. Great stories, great racing, you know, culminating with Curtis White finally getting that monkey off his back. Great stories in the Euro field. We had, you know, the big three in the women's field, the big two in the men's fields that kind of culminated with a sprint at Worlds. So for me, it was a great season. So it's fun to look back. Um, but as always, we'll start with domestic. And, um, you know, ultimately, we love the stories. We've been talking about J Money, but it's about the races, right? Like that's a big part of what we do. So we'll start with, um, the uh, domestic elite women's race of the year. And I think the way we've done this in the past is we don't necessarily pick a winner, but we kind of give our thoughts and maybe we'll share some of the same, same picks for some of these. So um, as I will kind of, I will open up the floor to you guys. All right. I'll go first because this is a race that I was at and I made a video about it, but I'm just going to say the, uh, elite women race of the year, Raylan Nuss at Pan Ams. Um, part of me calling that race is just sort of stepping up to the plate, you know, uh, for Raylan and facing, uh, she had more challengers. Uh, Magalie Rochette was there as, you know, where she wasn't the year before when she won it. So I kind of felt like it was a, 
bit of a statement race for Raylan, and she she answered, and she's able to perform, um, and it was a good weekend uh, for the team. So yeah, that's that's right, the race I'm picking. I think that's a good choice. I mean, if we were going to go with performance of the year, I think I would have definitely my choice probably my def probably might have been. I think my choice would have been Raylan Nuss winning Pan Ams. I think just the way she raced that race and you know coming into it. You know, we did a story like, you know, she was even with Austin, I think it was like five to five head to head going into that race. And she just kind of like kicked butt. <laughs> it was really an impressive performance. I, I don't want to dismiss or downplay dominance. So I f- for me, I I think the the race of the year is going to be Clara at Nationals. Because she comes in, she's got a goal. She's got the same goal every year. And for the past, what, this third, three years now, she's, she's accomplished that goal and she's done it in a demanding fashion. You know I mean? Just like proving that she is the best, even if we don't see her week in a week out, she's showing up and she's proving that she's the best, um, domestic racer out there. So uh, that would, that would be my pick us nationals with, uh, Clara. And I think for my choices, probably one of, if not the closest races that we had in the elite women's field would be NoHo day one. Uh, that was Austin Killups and I think Raylan Nuss and Ava Holmgren were up there. We obviously weren't there to cover it, but we kind of got the story that, you know, Ava Holmgren made this big attack and then Austin ended up coming back at the end and got her first win. So in terms of like a close race, one that, you know, is dynamic, it sounded like that race kind of had it all. So that would be that would be my choice for race of the year for the women. Yeah, and just for the history of it, you know, we definitely have to give a a shout out to Ava Holmgren winning Canadian Nationals in the elite field. Pretty just uh, uh, a bonkers, and looked like she just you know took had a had a great race there as well. All right, so this category, I think we had a few few more options for this one in terms of at least like close races. I think you know you guys did a good job identifying like. Not historic, but like, you know, the monuments of, of these wins. Uh, elite men, though, I think we we had a pretty good, pretty good USCX series. One of the most memorable nationals races in recent memory. Uh, lots to choose from here. This, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> this is a tough one because if, if we were going to go at the, go as the race of the year at the halfway point, I think you're probably... You know, and this might be Curtis White hour here, but uh, Charm City day two. I mean, we we spent a we spent a whole season up until that point, and granted, the season wasn't very old. Just looking at who was going to beat Vinny Bastins, and uh, Curtis finally did it at at Charm City, and in spectacular fashion in muddy conditions, and it was just. Um, I mean, I don't think anything's going to match that nationals race for him. I, 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 I get that. And I will leave that to you all if you want to pick that one, but I think I'll just go back sort of for the early, sort of the precursor to that. And just Curtis's performance at, at charm city was just such a, such a, a really great race to, to witness and just kind of the, the drama of that whole day. Yeah. I mean, I, I we are, we've got embarrassment of riches here. Um, and that elite men's filled this year and but yeah i gotta go with curtis white at nationals um once again just like it's it's the whole storyline of the season it's the storyline of his career and then i keep 
talked about it so much time. The conditions, man, the big fluffy snowflakes, the people there at the finish line. I mean, I, that was just such a grand time for him and for, I think, the Cyclocross community that, yeah, my vote, race of the year. I pick them both. I can't. <laughs> I mean, they were both so epic. I mean, we talk about in cyclocross, I think we remember Louisville Worlds with um, Sven and was it Klaus? Yep. Klaus. Was it? We remember Louisville Worlds with Sven and, and Klaus. And it's just like the, the epicness of the race with the epicness of conditions. And we'll get to the European and why I won't be picking the world championships race as my race of the year is because it wasn't epic. Like there weren't epic conditions. And I think in both of these races, you know, things get elevated when it is those amazing conditions. And in both, you had it, you know, Charm City Day 2, like Bill's camera, he's probably still drying water out of his cameras from that day. And, you know, Nationals Bodie, like you said, was just <laughs> incredible. Like, right? Like the way the snow came right at the end of the race and stuff. Tough to beat. Both of them, you know, Curtis White, and I guess maybe we're tipping might be tipping our, our our hand a little bit in terms of who our rider of the year is. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We did not. Jay Money was not eligible for that one, so unfortunately <laughs> for him, he's not gonna he's not gonna win rider of the year. Although I know we had some respondents who suggested that that he should be uh, the one. So uh, before we get to our rider of the year, though, story. We love stories. Love stories. So your women's story of the year, and there are. A lot. I'll, I'll I'll jump in here first, and I I think that the story of the year because it it truly kind of went the whole season was Carolyn Manny taking the USCX series, winning seven races, really just the the dominant racer on the domestic scene throughout the year and just, just, just proven, proven, proven she's a champ. I mean, just for, for decades, it seems at this point, you know, I, I, sorry, Caroline, I know you're not that old. Um, <laughs> just such a, such a run of, of great races and just coming into this USCX series and just being a, um, a great spokesman for for the sport, always having fun out there. I mean, we we've talked in the past always about just Carolyn. You know, uh, not only wears her heart on her sleeve, but also I think her vocal cords. You know, I mean, you can you can hear her talking throughout races, before, after, never afraid to say what's on her mind. And um, I, I I thought it was awesome. I just I just thought she she really just had the the perfect season, and that that would have been the I think one of the most compelling storylines for me for the year. I definitely purposely left this as just women, if you know, it wasn't elite women. So, I mean, we had a North American world championship uh, and I almost was just going to say the Holmgrens, <laughs> but, you know, Isabella, it was her turn to win at Worlds. And that was something that I think all of us were hoping could happen. Uh, it was certainly in the realm of possibility. And, you know, both her and Ava delivered going one, two, and I had just an incredible moment for Can Canadian cycling, North American cyclocross and really a harbinger i think what's to come in the future well that was my pick too zach i, I was definitely with the isabella uh, winning winning worlds and the, the scene the scene after the win was amazing um was tearing up but just looking at the story of the year and just sort of how they've 
they really came out this year and put a mark on on the on the fields and you know it coincided with Magali Rochette taking that time off and and maybe that was sort of fortuitous for them and that allowed them to shine a little bit and just how how we've seen it's it's both of them right winning in different races and sort of going back and forth it's not just one dominant sister and they sort of have different riding styles and and just so how you like a lot of people didn't pick didn't think Isabel would be the Holmgren to win at Worlds, but you kind of went back and looked at the results, and you're like, actually, maybe she could. Like, maybe we're missing like not all of the whole story here. And so I just, just that 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 was there were so many things in that, and yeah, that's that's my pick. Izzy, Worlds, go North America. All right, the men. Who are you picking besides Curtis White, winning U.S. Nationals? I feel like because there have to be nominees, right? Like every year, even in the Oscars, they nominate a bunch of films. But sometimes there's ones that are more likely to win than others. It just seems like uh, for this one, Curtis winning nationals as terms of your story of of the year of the the decade. How many years has he raced nationals? Uh, but give me some other give me some other nominees, at least for this one of stories that really kind of like you thought defined the domestic season. I mean, look, I think Eric Brunner. Like he won nationals last year and Pan Ams and he came back and he kind of had a slow start to the season. And we kind of wondered, you know, you know, where was that format? But he does such a dominant stretch um, that last part of the year, winning five races in a row, um, winning Pan Ams again. Um, I, I Like, I think that's very notable, you know, like let's, let's talk about that. And that's, a rider who we're looking to sort of do this kind of stuff again next year and to be the one uh, definitely nipping on on Curtis White's heels. And, like, he's going to be White's biggest challenge for Nationals next year. Like, we just know that. So, like, that's a that's a strong second place. But, but yeah, Zach, I mean, I, I, I'm picking Curtis White. <laughs> Story of the year. Yeah, the the thing to to go along with with Bruner and his winning, I, I I just I do think that that Pan Am weekend was Pan Am and really rad weekend was so much fun just in the way that Bruner was able to kind of captain this team effort and and that that whole kind of drama of it, you know, having having uh, Eric and then. Scott Funston, who's on his team, and then Scott, I'm blanking on his last name. McGill. Scott McGill, uh, <laughs> not on his team, but kind of on his team, working, working, and the two Scots sort of working, working against Curtis and trying to trying to get that that gap and that win, you know, and put themselves between Eric and Curtis to to bring home not only the win but also the USCX series. Uh, for Bruner. So that was, that was, that was a ton of fun. It's not going to top that nationals race. And then also one that, that Zach had in here, I guess, domestic people in international races, uh, being able to watch AJ August being at Copenberg for that race and watch him just, I mean, dominate, you know, it is not a stretch. He dominated that, that, race at Copenberg to win to win that junior race, which was such a, a great moment for US Cyclocross. Great moment for AJ. I'm sure it opened a lot of eyes and he's been getting a lot of phone calls from from people uh wanting him to race cyclocross and then you you know following it up what, what he did at 
worlds uh, just, you know, after crashing and, and going straight through there. But just a a phenomenal moment, you know, for, for him, for U.S. cycling, for that Euro Cross Academy team that was over there. So that was, that, that was really super cool to see. Yeah, the other ones that we had mentioned that I had come up with were the obligatory J Money mention and also Vinny B, our guy. We forgot about him. He won five of six races. And part of why Charm City Day 2 was so epic is because he had won five in a row coming into that race. And it was the ABV, the ABV faction wanted someone to beat him and Curtis was the guy. So it was cool to see him. I know he's under contract for another year, so hopefully we get to see him kind of pushing our elite men. And I think you can draw some, you know, some direct lines to like Bruner finishing fourth at the Fayetteville World Cup, which we didn't I didn't and I forgot about, you know, to being pushed by Vincent Bastions early in the season. So, you know, being pushed raises your raises your game. Uh all right. We've got one more. The big one. The rider of the year. We'll start with the men. I think we've got, I mean, there's really, I think, two candidates for this one. It'd be kind of interesting to see what you guys have to say, because in a way, right, it's like, what is, what is, what does nationals mean versus Pan Ams? You know, it's become, Pan Ams has become important in the eyes of the riders, but it's still USA Cyclocross Nationals. And I think there's a certain someone who would argue that winning nationals is just a little bit more important than winning Pan Ams. Look, I've tried to argue against, you know, saying Curtis in these other categories, but the elite men rider of the year. I mean, how do you not choose Curtis for this? It's kind of like, it's, it's a pretty easy one, but it's also, I think that a lot of us going into nationals just kind of assumed, not assumed, but really had, had Bruner as, as a favorite that he was the 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 stronger rider at the time although i think um and zach i think you were one of these folks who were like it all comes down to conditions and the conditions uh favor curtis and he he took advantage of that and was able to put together i mean neither of them had a perfect race but was able to put together the 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 perfect last two laps to to be able to take that championship so i don't i don't know i mean i, I this is you know you you have in this list here with Bruner and Funston and Hate It and Caleb and 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 Kerry, all riders that you know are are in contention. I think all riders. I mean, we've all looked at Kerry in the past as somebody who could have been Rider of the Year. Lance is somebody who's always right on the cusp. I think Funston is a one we're going to be looking out for uh, in years to come. But it really came down to to Bruner and Curtis, and I I, I don't see how you do not give the the edge to to Curtis for this one. Two words. Podcast bump. Uh, I mean, I got to give it to Curtis. I, I like to echo what Bill said. Yes, a lot of lot of good storylines. All these riders, you could pick them all out and and point to some some big gains in the season. I mean, Funston really showing himself and and becoming, you know, a, a, a sub topper, elite rider. Um, Caleb getting on that podium at at a at a UCI race. Um, but yeah, Curtis White, you know. He he wins nationals. Um, he also wins the USCX, which is a big thing that Cyclocross fans have been wanting and talking about. And we've got the series second year now, and and he wins it. He's he's consistent, and that, and that's and and as I said earlier, like he he tells the story well, and like like I know so much about him and his process because of his podcast, um, him and Tony, and I think that that's good stuff. And he's make he's 
that's his niche that he's figured out how to work and how to promote himself. Um, his is his sort of his podcast. And I think that's great. And that to me is like the whole package. And that's just like, that makes, uh, him stand out, um, as writer, male writer of the year. I, I quickly want to interject here before, uh, Caleb writes Zach an angry letter on Michael's behalf that he did actually win a race, not just get on the podium this year. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, Caleb. I knew that. Sorry. A UCI, a UCI race. Yes, yes, yes. Major Taylor day one. It's right there in front of me. Sorry, Caleb. I think the entire first part, the entire domestic part of this discussion of awards just kind of highlights uh, part of the beauty of cycling and the beauty of having a championship on one day, it's one day where you have to be perfect uh, to, you know, on that day to win the jersey. Uh, let's say that Eric Bruner does not crash at nationals. He wins by 15 seconds. The race of the year is not USA nationals. Uh, the rider of the year is certainly Eric Bruner. I mean, dude won five races in like eight days or nine days or whatever. You know, he won Nats. He finished fourth at a world cup. Um, yeah, he didn't win the USCX series, but like, let's say he wins. He's two time defending champ. Uh, and I love it. I love it. Like Curtis white, like there's just so much in that race and it, it changed how you viewed his season. Then you're like, Oh, that win against charm city was epic. And it showed that he can win in epic conditions. And it showed that like he was going to battle and do everything he could winning the USCX series. Like, wow, he was the most consistent rider in that series. And then he caps it with nationals. So like just amazing that winning nationals. And I mean, it's changed the dude's life. I'm sure like, and on this humble little award show fundamentally changed how we view the domestic season. So I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, and it, it really, I, I think that it does hit home where cyclocross is different in that. I, I think, you know, if you compare it to road racing, you can you can do a lot of things as a elite world-class level road racer to have a successful season. You can win the Tour de France, of course, but you can also, you can win a classic. You win Paris-Roubaix, that makes your year. You win, you know, Flanders, that makes your year, and you win nationals eh, that's okay too you know you win worlds even at it for for road racing and they're like ah eh, you know well it was a sprinter's race so i wasn't going to do well you know it's it's always it's 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 not always the top of the list whereas in cyclocross you know hopefully one day we'll have uh, an american out there who's competing to win a world championship again and hopefully pan ams will get to a level that it's you know just as big as the european championship and it's something that people really are shooting for but right now you're exactly right zach i mean nationals is it and it's it's one race one time to to basically be considered the best racer in the country yeah and i will say i think one way that America's a little unique is I think our our nationals matters more certainly matters more to our riders. You know, it seems like for the euros, it's just this one weekend that's crammed in all these other weekends. And that's pretty cool. Like if you haven't been to nationals yet, you got to go. I mean, Bill calls it the family reunion. I, every year we go and we come away, uh, just loving it. So, you know, to kind of, we're moving towards putting a cap on the domestic season. If you haven't been to nationals, it's in Louisville this year. It's in the Midwest. Lots of you can get there. I highly recommend uh, going because it's it's pretty neat. Um, so I don't know if this one's as certain. Our, our elite women's rider of the year. And I listed five riders and I could make a case for all five. I can make a compelling case uh, for all five. 
I this is hard, Zach. I don't know. Like I actually I don't know. I I kind of want to cheat and look at and see what other people have said. <laughs> but it's hard. Like I mean this is what I'll say. Austin Killips. Writer of the year. Breakout season. Um Yeah, I I I think that Austin well, uh, it was a ground groundbreaking season for what she did. I think also uh, for transgender athletes, I think that she was able to compete compete in a in, in a way that that uh, I, I I think respected respected the sport, and you know we saw we saw a lot of. Uh, positive encouragement of her season on the domestic scene. And I think that she also had to deal with a lot of crap, you know, that, that went along with um, her position in the sport. And that's unfortunate, but I think she uh, handled it great. So for, for that, I would, you know, that would definitely bolster that argument. So my, my pick originally was going to be Raylan Nuss. Um, just because I, I mean, I, I guess to be honest, you know, Magley, I think was, was sick. She missed most of the domestic season. Clara didn't really race a domestic season. And frankly, she didn't have results that were remotely close to what she's accomplished in the last two years. Like, yeah, she was doing top tens, but you know, we, <laughs> she finished fourth at worlds two years ago. I think the bar has been raised a little bit. Um, uh, you know, I look at like Raylan, you know, she won Pan Ams. Um, you know, she raced well throughout the season. Um, she finished strong. I think she raced really well at nationals. Um, but then Bill mentioned Caroline Money. I think Caroline Money is domestic rider year, hands down. She was so dominant in the USCX series. You take away Anne Marie Worst, she won seven races. You take away Anne Marie Worst, and she probably would have won, what, 11? Um, I mean, just so good, so dominant, such a fan favorite, so great for the sport. You know, it's just awesome to see her mentoring Lauren Cerner. My favorite memory was Pan Am's, her cheering, but you were there, like her cheering every rider on, <laughs> you know, at the front, speaking in French to Megalie and calling Raylin Blondie. And it was just great to to kind of see her out there. And I think that she's a great representative for the sport. And I know she's going to continue to be uh, involved. And I, you know, I really good chance she'll be domestic rider of the year again next year depending on what Megaly and clara decide to do so uh kudos to you frenchy and let's not forget she she won the uscx as well and that was sort of my tipped my hat for curtis and i i think that's that's i think that's well earned uh, zach i think that that's a good really good pick all right we did the domestic season um, just to kind of close, I don't know what what are your what are your guys's like favorite memory or like what made this domestic season for you guys? I I think you already kind of touched on it. Just that this season, I think the USCX really came into its own this year. I know that you know it can always improve. There's already talks starting and planning starting for the the series next year. I can tell you that. Uh, if you've looked at the calendar now, because um, I know it's the the provisional calendar already always screwed up that originally Rochester and Charm City were not on there. They are still happening. They're still happening pretty much in the same order that they happened last year. So go cross, 
Rochester, uh, Charm City, and Really Rad will will be the four races in in the USCX once again. And I think that added a lot to the season. I thought the flow of the season worked really well. And, uh, yeah, you know, every year we sort of come in here with, with questions about how, how domestic cyclocross is, is going to look. Personally, I still would love, I I would love for this to be a, a a step, a, a sort of a launching pad. You know, I I think that in the past we've seen bigger numbers in the elite fields and I'd, I'd like to get to a place where we can, we can do that again. So hopefully all this development talk and that, you know, is going on will, will pay off and we start to see, uh, riders moving up the ranks and, and getting stronger elite fields in the, in the years to come. I just, I mean, I'll just give a shout out or, you know, my favorite thing is just all the folks out there who are making these things happen and putting the stories out there, you know, doing this sort of extra, extra work that are telling the stories of domestic cross was it's, you know, and like the photographers, I mean, the, the mechanics, um, I, I, I just think of like Magali and like Curtis, like making podcasts and racing, just like everybody out there who's like putting in, doing their part and like creating this whole, like cool, like ecosystem of this unique bicycle racing sport and just like all the art that comes with it. I don't know. I'm just like, that's been great. I've, I've been loving seeing that. I like that. I have so many options to like email newsletters, podcasts, like go on Instagram, seeing beautiful photos, like folks doing like re- uh, videos um, for teams and just, yeah, just all that cool content that's coming out this year and the people that make it happen. Here's my one, one, one counter to that. I agree with everything you're saying 1000%. However, here's my observation. What happened to the course preview video? I mean, I was doing them like two years ago, and then I started, I was competing with Carrie and Curtis, and I was like, you guys got this covered, and then I just stopped, and then this year, it was like, did everybody just, you know, get scared of Puck? And they were like, well, we, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we can't do that even though she's not at our races, and then nothing. So do we need to bring that back next year? Should Or, or do we have to start doing those again to, to kind of motivate these riders to then remember that that's a good idea? Because I always loved seeing seeing their their views of it, especially, you know, not only the domestic ones, but the Europeans as well. So get on it, guys. Bring back those uh, course previews. Hey, Bill, I mean, let's not forget the ones you did with Caroline where she did parkour and stuff. Like, hey, so you, you, you yeah, did that you know, For it. the series, sure. Yes, no, but we were, you know, we were, <laughs> we were, we were compressed to 90 seconds. That was a, that was a heavy edit on my part. I did, I should put the, I should put the Caroline Manny outtakes out, uh, yes. video out there for sure. Please do that. Well, so here's a question. I mean, I think we're, you know, I think Bill, you did identify that I think Puck has kind of elevated the game, but I mean, does she owe credit to her creative muse, Rebecca Ferringer? I mean, I, I feel like there's an evolution here, right? Because Rebecca kind of like she patented the hilarious course preview video uh, and, you know, really actually had a moment during the pandemic. I mean, I think like she was popular on both sides of the ocean for that. And so if you're a witty, funny rider, I think there is an opportunity to make them. But I think Puck has definitely upped the game of what you're going to have to do on your uh, course preview video. My highlight of the season, I think, uh, kind of touches on something that I think both of you guys were getting at was a uh, really rad weekend. Three days uh, for us, the gang was all there. 
But really, like all of cyclocross was there. And for me, like the memories of this season are the people. And every year I remember just like why we do this. And yeah, there's racing. It's fun. And we get to talk about it. But like you see people that you like, you know, I saw Stu Thorne was there. Stephen Hyde was there. Meg McMahon was there, you know, to meet like just all these friends that we've made over the year. And it seems like having that weekend with Pan Am's at really rad in the Northeast. You know, I met so many people, you know, I met Teresa Plavi for the first time (laughs) and she's like, why are you saying hi? I was like, oh, no, I like you. You're just you're a Twitter person. <laughs> I think she was a little skeptical at first. But yeah, I, it you know, for me, like getting everyone together um, was really, oh, my God, I'm going to do it. That was really rad. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't even going to try to do it. I was going to say, wow, that was really rad. And then I was I caught myself, but then I did it. So good job. It, it deserves being done. And even just that whole story, you know, starting out with Costa Rica, having having Pan Ams and then not that not working out. And then Adam Sykes kind of stepping up in the 11th hour and hosting it. And then even, you know, what I was able to witness and be a part of was like, you know, our CXR's Devo team and the the uh, Stimulus Orbea, the Canadian team with the Holmgrens and Ian Acker and in the Euro Eurocross Academy. Like we were all in the Brussels airport like the day before Pan Am's and it was, you know, or at least 48 hours and it was just like fly home and just drive straight to Pan Am's. Like there was no time off. It was basically get off the plane and go straight to Pan Am's for, for a pre-ride. So just, just that, that sort of level of it just, just made it even, even more crazy and, and memorable. So yeah, just really, really happy that, that all worked out and boy, looking forward to, uh, Seeing what Montana has to offer for uh, for th- this coming year for Pan Ams. I was gonna say no pressure, Missoula. Moving to the international, the European cyclocross. I feel like uh, there was this. Um, if you guys remember when you took creative writing, like there was kind of like the five paragraph structure, and you're supposed to like you know you would do your intro and you would have three arguments, and you were supposed to lead with a strong, like your second best. You were supposed to lead with a strong, but not your strongest argument. Middle one was the weakest, and then you you finished with the finale. So, like, I feel like we need to start with a good category with lots of heft that's going to, you know, spark some debate. So let's do it. Elite men's race of the year. And you can't pick all of curse period. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could pick all of curse period. Oh, man. You can say Deegan. It's okay. You can do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at Zach's choices here and I'm sorry. Race of the year. Worlds was not the race of the year. It was an event and it was a story. And But it wasn't super exciting once the two of them were just kind of out the front. But yeah, it's got to be Deegan. It's Deegan. It's, it's the environment. It's the location. Every they all three were there, um, and just the racing action was so good. And it's at night; it adds an extra element. I mean, yeah, I'm picking that one. And and you know what? And wow, wow, fanboy, he wins over Vanderpool. What's not to love? I will also say it was awesome that it was like in the middle of the day while people were at work, and I think it just 
more people were watching. And I think there was, you know, because, you know, Bill, you've talked about this, that we have lots of different viewing options. Like you can get up, but it's not that shared experience that we saw maybe at Worlds this year when we were all trying to find the right VPN to find the right illegal stream to watch. Um, but it seems like that one had a little bit more where we were, I think more people were watching it and it was just like really cool. You're like, Oh my God, like, is this happening? Yes, this is. Ha- oh my God. Like, um, you know, low and health the next day was just as, you know, was an amazing race. I mean, it was super dynamic and epic conditions and finished with a sprint. That one finished with a sprint too, after uh, Vanderpool's little kind of wayward off the course, but man, it's tough to beat Degum. I mean, my gosh, like the race just, after it not happening for two years and Degum being back and to have it that way, yeah, tough to beat. I yeah, I I, I can't go against that. However, I I will say just personally, being able to sit on the cobbles at the hundred meter mark for Copenburg cross at the end and watching Lars just punk the sauces was pretty, <laughs> pretty damn cool. That, that definitely was a, a, a memorable race and just, you know, personally just getting, getting that view of it that I don't think, I mean, even the cameras don't get that good of a view of it, it was one of those, I, I didn't go to the finish, finish line, you know, I just sort of posted up trying to get that behind shot and, uh, it, it paid off. It was, it was, it was awesome. But I'm just I, I feel like I'm here as just the 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 sort of the measuring stick for this. And I know that it may, you know, not have been like this knockdown, drag out, changing back and forth, suspenseful race at worlds on the men's side. However, we waited years to get Matthew and Wout to go head-to-head again. I mean, wasn't this kind of like a crit? Aren't we supposed to think that's exciting when they're just like, you know, the tension's just building and nobody's really going to make a move and it's all going to come down to the end? And that's exactly what happened. And I, 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 I just don't think that it can be discounted. I don't think you can say it wasn't suspenseful, that there wasn't drama, that it wasn't exciting because the suspense just built in that race and we got generational talents as we like to say you you know two of the best cyclocross racers ever going head to head in a a battle for the ages and you can you know you could it 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 wasn't it wasn't hoger heide uh sven and stebar granted it was not that yet it's still with the players, with the outcome, with the build-up to it, with the crowds, with everything else, it's tough to go against that for for race of the year. I like it. Uh, those two are neck and neck in the people's choice as we record this. So uh, two good, really good picks. Uh, one that I found a little bit tougher to just remember the ones that stand out was with the elite women. I think we remember a lot of like femme against Puck with Shireen in there as well. But it's like trying to remember the ones that were good and close. So be curious to kind of, I did my best to come up with some of them. I, in terms of, I, I did leave a category for other, and we've definitely had more entries for this one than the men. Although someone, even though Degum was a choice, their other was Degum. I was really confused. I was like, did I forget Degum? And I'm like looking, no. Okay. So uh, this one though, I think a little bit more uh, dealer's choice on this one. 
Yeah. So okay, there's two there's two that stand out on your list for me, Zach. And one of them is Boom. So look at there's one name that's not like the others on this list. It's Anique Van Alphen at Boom. And that remind that reminded me that was a really dynamic race between her and Betsima. And it was you know, Puck and Sharon, uh Puck and Fem were not there. And so we had the other stories able to play out. And Betsima kind of feels like a story that's passed. Um, you know, a few years ago she was one of the best and she's had a lot of drama and and we've sort of whatever, we moved past that, but she was still a hitter. And this year really she hasn't done anything that strong but this is sort of like that opportunity for her to get a big win but Anique Van Alphen you know denied her that and there was such a back and forth battle um that that one definitely sticks out in my head but I also look at Beeksy Bergen Sharon Van Anroy with the last lap flyer uh on a course that I really like to watch and just that tactical move, sort of the Hail Mary, like cross move. I can't remember if we decided or learned that Sven had said to go or said to not go there. But like just the idea that there was a little bit of like, you know, advice from the coach and maybe she went against it. But just the guts to try to pull that off. And and she did. And like this, like. At that point, I think we were still very much femme uh, and puck. And we knew that Sheeran was strong. But, like, I think this was, and I'll have to check, you know, fact check. That was her first uh, big, big win of the year. Um, so that's that's my pick. Beaks of Bergen. I actually, Michael, I think I agree with both of your picks. Uh, those are great ones. The one that I was leaning toward Beaks of Bergen. But for kind of that low-key I don't know that low key vibe of of bomb too because if I remember correctly that was the first race where we saw uh, an elite woman win a race by bunny hopping the barriers where it actually mattered it finally was the decisive move but uh, at one that I don't I would choose a nominee that I don't think is the winner is World Cup Waterloo was pretty dope I think for us as fans to see Alvarado kind of like be like oh there might be there might be something here uh, to go to a sprint with Fembenample and. Every time there's a sprint with that crowd, it's just so hard to beat. I mean, just such a great event. So that was a really cool way to to start the season. Um, but also, I think it was like, oh, because prior to that, Femme had won a couple, but Brand beat her. And we're like, oh, oh, okay, so this is happening, you know, with Femme Van Empel. And I think that was one of the first hints that we got of both those kind of like storylines that played through the year. That one, that Femme Van Empel was going to dominate and two, that Alvarado was going to have a good but not great season, you know, that she did. If, if you look at storylines too, it's a Dublin first first World Cup there. Femme just looking unstoppable, getting the win, epic conditions. You know, you got your good dramatic mud faces in that one, uh, but then getting hurt at Valdezol right next next race, and then we weren't really sure for a, uh, about a month or so how her season was going to go, which. Brings us to Benidorm. I know it, the riders hated it, but I mentioned it at the time. And yeah, it was kind of not even a grass crit, maybe a dusty crit, uh, that <laughs> it it was super exciting. It was a great race to watch. It was back and forth. It was strategic. It was just off the charts fast. And I think coming up a few weeks before Worlds with that one, we were like, 
Femme and Apple's back. And and that was kind of cool too. So that one that one stuck out as well. Just to say, Zach, great job here. Tough to pick one out of this list. I you know, you're right. There was none that really stood out, but that's not to say that we didn't get some really, really, really good racing this year. And I love that. You know, I, I was wondering about Benidorm. I'm like, is this recency bias? Because I was going to list it for both because it was great races. And I was kind of skeptical. I was like, yeah, a race in Spain. Everyone's making a deal. That ruled. Like, I, one of the more unexpected, awesome weekends of racing that I was totally not expecting. Um, and I'm super happy that they're doing it again. But it's, it's, for me, it's great. Like, those unexpected things. I think last year we were all with worlds we were all a little skeptical of how that was going to go and for have it just absolutely rule is makes it stand out and maybe elevates it a bit but i love those moments <laughs> short track gravel finally came to a, became a reality <laughs> in benidorm yes all right so we've got we've got two rider of the year categories we've got the obvious rider of the year and then we have the subtopper of the year um but for the storylines it's kind of the same so you know, overwhelmingly, the story for the women was Femme, Puck, and Shireen. And, you know, Bill, you kind of had the changing of the guard twist on it. I think from just a racing standpoint, it was phenomenal. It was so dynamic. It was like, who's going to win? Different strengths. You know, Shireen, the Sand Queen, Puck kind of having a late resurgence. And then Femme just kind of punking everyone and nailing her her fitness to win at the end. Uh, and for the men, wow, Machu curse period so those are overwhelming so we're, those are off the table just because that's what everyone picked so uh for the women what is your best storyline that wasn't femme puck and shireen i'll go with prime time um i was sort of trying to figure out who was the best women subtopper and just kind of looking at the results that she had really strong season um even though those other three were such dominant too. Um, and she's a former world champion, uh, had a tough couple of years. So I just kind of, I think she got a little bit overshadowed actually. Um, and so, you know, and also just the last, the whole fall start thing at Brussels, like she's had quite a, quite a season. So um, that's my storyline of the year since I can't pick the trio. <laughs> Yeah, I I, I, I feel I don't know if it's like cheating to like backdoor into the trio with the <laughs> with the Voss and the PFP storyline because I think nice. it truly it's like these these are you know world champion racers who could not compete this year I and mean, we know that Voss is hurt and you know PFP was struggling with a new bike and components a lot um and just didn't you know could not cannot string together good results and i don't i don't think anybody would blame her for kind of pulling the plug on the season but i i do think these are these are like stars of of the sport from the past even if they weren't full-time uh racers who Maybe I'll be proved wrong next year, but I don't know that they can hang with with this this new generation of of racers, and it's 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 just kind of not shocking to see. I think it's just a, the the thing that happens from from generation to generation. But I think that it's the kind of it's it, once again it's it, it's the like we talk about with Vanderpool and Van Art. These are the racers that we co- sort of have always seen coming up, you know, you've been watching Mariana Voss forever. So to see that, Oh, this legacy may 
be coming to end in end in cyclocross is 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 a pretty big story. My choice, I kind of talked about it, I think, in our world's uh, recap. Lucinda Brand kind of playing. I, I love the legacy. I love the legacy play. And I think that, you know, seeing her play for her her legacy, kind of having the se- not having the season that she wanted to, getting hurt early on, resetting and being like, my only focus is the world championships. That's literally all I care about. You know, she came in there. There were some questions about her versus Alvarado in terms of like who's going to finish third. And, you know, she delivered uh, on that day and, you know, got another podium finish, I think the sixth of her career. So for me, that's my choice. Listen to Brand with the legacy play. Nice. Yeah. And I think it goes into what you were saying before about Lucinda. And you're absolutely right, you know, as being one of the best cyclocross racers of all time and still you know the thing that we forget about her is she shows up she's not in a trek segafredo kit she she is a bowaz lion and she made that choice she she chose cyclocross over road in the prime of her road career and that's i mean that's outstanding that that does not happen when we were all maybe a little skeptical, I think if you remember, I remember there was one year at Overisa that she won, but she crashed like four times. <laughs> we're like, I question her bike handling. You know, there were criticisms of her after Bo and So Worlds with the the pit mishap. It's like, there goes Lucinda Brand, can't ride her bike. And it's almost like she was like, hey, I know y'all think I'm better at road. This is more of a challenge. I'm going to race cyclocross and I'm becoming all time great. So pretty cool, pretty cool decision and super fun. I mean, you guys remember at, at Fayetteville, she was up on someone's shoulders for the podium for the elite men. So just a fun addition to the, the cyclocross field that she's like living her best life, racing cyclocross, taking on that challenge and, and being fun while, while doing it is, is cool to see. Uh, so the men, man, it's almost like looking at these is going to kind of tip your hand for the subtopper of the year because all of the really the storylines are like some of our favorite storylines have just this was the year of the storyline in the elite men's field and there were so many good ones i almost want to go first just to poach michael but i'm gonna let him go no go first lauren sweck the freedom of lauren sweck to show up and be his best cyclocross racer probably the best he's ever been in his career just all-time season from winning the World Cup to winning series to winning races. Just just something we, we always thought we sh- could see from him, but never really met his potential until this year. So, I, I mean, that, that, that I, I don't know, hands down for me, that was the storyline of the year. It was such a fun year to follow him for this season. I mean, yeah, I t- 100% agree with you. Uh this this week this week stats are great and i and maybe we'll go over those in the next uh part but i, I will say that storyline of the year was the the return of the duo in a dynamic and fantastic fashion that gave us such a good stretch of races and had us thinking so good. Had us thinking Wow was a shoe-in for Worlds, and we hadn't felt that way, I don't think, ever. I mean, we always wanted Wow to win Worlds, but then but then Vanderpool would do something. He would step on a, you know, he'd step on a wheel. He would have a hissy fit. Zach? I, I said you couldn't pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, you know what happens happening? 
I was trying to calculate the what Disney's Betsima's WAP. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Sorry. This is all staying in. I was I was wondering where this was going. I was like, is he going to talk about Mikey V and Ailey Ezerby? Like, where is this going? Was is he like, talking about like? Is he talking about we finally have gotten Mikey V against Lawrence Swack and they've like been this like the couple that needed each other? But no, he was actually just not. I'm sorry. I did folks. think it was going to be uh, uh, Mikey and Ailey. Those were the big two you were talking about, or the duo well, you were talking let about. Let me just tell. The, the the listeners like so we're talking about brand and i'm like yeah brand's wop was like fantastic this year you're right like really you know good good storyline and i was like oh what if betsima's wop is higher and i say that i better go try and calculate it and then i was like sitting here trying to do math and i missed <laughs> i wasn't listening zach so and then and then bill bill took mine and so here <laughs> you know, we are here, here's the thing michael <laughs> It's not like you were like scrolling Twitter or something. You were like trying to just cram for the show. So even even more respect for that. Do you do you have another one on this list you'd choose? I mean you could say Tom Pitcock. You know what he's I was like looking at his numbers too, trying to figure out like what his sub like the breakdown. Like is he is he still the only subtopper? He's an enigma, and then he's the world champion. He skips worlds. He, he goes to race race road. I mean, I guess he won one race recently. I, I don't know. Yeah, a storyline of the year is like, what's Tom doing? Michael, you're still a topper in my heart. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. I, I might be on an island here. I think among a lot of American fans, but you know, as someone who gets to have those, do those awkward interviews after these races, these U S world cups and stuff kind of start. I really like Ailey Ezerbeat. Like he is a funny dude. He's a cool dude. He's introspective. He has lots of good thoughts on racing and it might not be the top pick. Cause I think Lawrence Swack and the freedom of Lawrence Swack is really the story of the era. You can make an argument for big shot, big shot, Mikey V I wish it worked like Big Shot Bob, but it doesn't work kind of like Big Shot Bob. But, you know, big race, Mikey V. But, you know, Ailey Ezerbait starts strong. We're like, oh, he's doing his thing and just falls apart, falls apart, thinks about bailing on the season. He says, you know what? I'm going to recoup. I'm going to recover. You know, he wins ball, finishes on the podium at Worlds, you know, beats out Mikey V, beats out Lawrence Sweck, beats out Gerben Kuipers. Uh, so, you know what? Kudos to him for kind of making the best of a bad situation and kind of recovering and at least salvaging something like this. And I think that's two straight two straight years on the podium at Worlds for, for Ailey Ezerbait. So, cool little story. Did, did I ever tell you that I, I, I had a um, – I, I hope this qu- quote is correct. You were talking about talking to all these – sort of these awkward um, interviews and just how, how good Ailey is. Uh I had like a Dustin Hoffman uh, midnight cowboy moment with Ailey where we were in the middle of his interview and like one of his uh, Powell Sausen guys is just, just like asking him all this stuff on the side and he turned to me and goes, I'm talking here. <laughs> Amazing. I need That's to, really I need to find that. I'm sure I, I'm sure I've rewritten it in my head and I'm going to be like disappointed, but I'm, I'm it's, it's something close to that. And God, I hope it's, it is actually that. Yeah. And he's always fought. I mean, I, 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 
if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a sucker for anyone who makes my job easier and just gives me a modicum amount of their time when I need it. And he'll always answer it. He doesn't look like he's trying to peace out. You know, he's not super awkward. He speaks good English. And I appreciate about that. I appreciate that he wins World Cup Waterloo and Jingle Cross every year because, you know, I end up interviewing him. So uh, the unexpected Ailey Ezerbeat appreciation tweet. So before we get to the big one, the riders of the year, uh, we got to do the subtoppers of the year because I think we have two very distinct, uh, I don't know, groups of of riders here. Uh, so, you know, I, I think this kind of dovetails with the storylines that we were just talking about. Elite women, subtopper of the year, which former world champion <laughs> is your subtopper of the year? That you have Blanca Vosh on here is such a... Oh, that hurts, Zach. <laughs> she had some okay races. I mean, I like we talked about it with the the Stibar metrics that like she had a better season than maybe we yeah, thought no, she for would sure. did. Uh, I think that well, compared to her past seasons, I I, I think that the the I, I think Alvarado is the is the obvious choice here. I. I think that I would give a shout out to Amory Worst because I think that she has had maybe um, some frustrating seasons and injury uh, that she was recovering from and wasn't at 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 a hundred percent up until now and maybe she's not even at a hundred percent this year but she definitely seemed much healthier and seemed to be returning to form which I think is awesome for coming season so uh, I it, it's tough not to give this to Alvarado, but I would put, I would put Amory worse right up there. Yeah. I was sort of looking at, uh, subtopper stats, as I mentioned earlier, um, Zach's now scrolling Twitter. Um, but like, it's hard to argue like, yeah, Alvarado five wins, uh, on podium percentage of 52. Her wide angle podium percentage is 80. She won five, uh, classification races and won the overall and super prestige. That's all with, Femme, Puck, and Sheeran sort of kind of like riding above her. Uh, but I will give a shout out to Inga, Inga Vanderheiden. I felt like, you know, we saw her in Fayetteville. She got the win uh, at Ozcross. Um, and I, she's a rider who's always started strong and, and sort of was was there in the beginnings of races. But she, I feel like she ma- made a move this year and was able to really stick it out towards the end of races. And so... Because Alvarado is so obvious, I'm I'm picking Inga. Yeah, I was just scrolling and looking at the Stibar metrics before Worlds, which is when I do them. And I think if you look just strictly by Stibar metrics, it was brand slightly better OPP, slightly better wide angle podium percentage, just a smidge. But Alvarado won those races. And I think she did it in a complete way throughout the season. She started strong, wasn't injured and continued strong throughout the season and was in that conversation to finish third at world. So yeah, I think that, you know, Alvarado, her body of work for the whole season is more complete since we're, since we're moving into NCAA uh, selection Sunday uh, time of the year. And we talk about the body of work and um, you know, wins are important too. who you beat is also super important. So by the uh, yeah selection committee criteria, I'll give it to Alvarado as well. Men. <laughs> so in this one, you topper. This one you threw in Yoris. I like. I like how you kind of threw a couple like just 
Pickcock's a good question. That, that is a good question, Zach. Is he a subtopper? Does he belong in the same category? As There's the only one riders? big three in cyclocross. And it's the elite women. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I will say that I, I think the people are with Zach. So subscribers to the bulletins. We brought back the uh, CX Love Valentines that, you know, hopefully, Bodie, uh, you were able to, to give a couple of those to, to Emily. You guys traded your favorites. But based on the number of people who responded, like, kudos to you throwing shade at Tom Pidcock uh, for saying you're still a topper in my heart. I think it's pretty safe to conclude that the people believe that he is no longer a topper. That was that was a really good one. So what you got, Bodie? I mean, I'm I'm over here looking at my stats. I did I ran some stats. Classic, you know, wins wins, uh, OPP, WAP, uh, and just sort of notable results. And you could make a case for Lars, Ellie, Lawrence, and Mikey V. Uh, I mean, like in terms of wins, Lawrence had eight. Ellie had eight. They're tied there. Um, in terms of wide angle podium percentage, um, that's Lars at eighty nine percent. He he had the best. Um, if you look at sort of notable results, Mikey V wins European Championships and Belgian Nats, uh, plus two World Cup races over Icy and Val de Soleil. You want to talk about overall wins? Lauren Sweck wins the overall World Cup. Um, Lars won the Super Prestige. Ellie wins uh, X2O. I, mean, I, I don't know how you, like, it depends on what, how do you want to slice that up? Subtopper is given the opportunity they can win a race, right? That's kind of the, the definition here. If things go right, they're, they're going to yeah. win their race. But they're always, like, right there. Lars Vanderhard, a dozen, a dozen second places this season. It's just mind-boggling. That's gotta. That's gotta like just wear you down at some point. He's doing his thing, Bill. <laughs> he is doing his thing. I. I, I mean, I. I just. I, I don't know. I don't know if that is the definition of subtopper or the anti-definition of subtopper. Bodie, I appreciate again that you did this. Uh, so this is what's going to happen. The selection committee, they're going to be looking at these resumes. And a lot of times they'll do like a blind resume. And so look at, you know, big thing now is what quadrants are your wins in? You know, who did you beat? Did you win at home? What are your bad losses? Uh, and so, you know, you look at like my, it could, for me, it comes down to on the complete season comes down to Mikey V and, and Swack. And so, you know, Swack kind of has like these good stats. He was there, you know, he won these overalls, like he won his first two world cups, you know, and he has, he has vibes, right? Like we wanted to see him freed and he rode as a, a free man, but then you look at Mikey V and he won euros and he won Belgian Nats. And like, those are just two massive wins. And, you know, the selection committee is going to look at that and be like, that's a team that can beat other teams. That's a team that can win big games. You're saying Nationals is big in Belgium, too. It's a championship race. I mean, we talk about consolidating the jerseys, you know, Nats, your continental championship in Worlds. I mean, that's he's got two of the three. Go back and find Lawrence Weck's quotes from 2020 about all the money that he lost for winning uh, Nationals during the pandemic year. So I'm going to, you know what? I Sweck is, the heart says Sweck. For me, the head looking at, you know, their their resumes going into the selection for this this award show. I'm gonna go with Mikey. Big shot, 
Big Shot Mikey V. Wow. Okay. I I didn't I didn't pick a rider yet. So, Bill, do you want to pick a rider? Do you have I one? Just or do you want to? I just just giving it, giving it, giving it to him. That, okay, know. that was your. Okay, Lars. Okay, well, Subtopper, as Bill said, has a chance to win. Well, Ellie and Lars, sorry, Ellie and Sweet Lawrence are tied at eight wins. But who has the most classification wins? Ellie Ezerbeat, Subtopper of the Year. Did not see that coming. I like it. I like that we the story of the year wasn't necessarily the subtopper of the year. So guys, like I don't know how to do this proper. I mean, there's all this debate. Who goes first? Who goes last? You know, we we definitely strive on this show. Uh men and women are, you know, we love watching the race. They're very equal. Who do we go first? Who do we who who goes last? You know what? Look, we'll do the men first. We'll save we'll save the best for last. Uh, the women were just so good this year. The men were so good for only a part of the year. Uh, so we'll start with the men. Michael, begin your soliloquy once again. <laughs> well, I don't know. You only have two choices in men rider of there's the only, year. There's two. There's two choices. There, so we did, the, it's it's Coke or Pepsi. We did, where Ford or Chevy. There's no GMC here. There's no no Toyota Tundra, (laughs) Ford, or Chevy. Wout or Mitsu. You had a whole spiel. You were spieling. You had a whole spiel you were doing. So just start that spiel again, except now it's relevant. Now it's allowed. I allow you to do your spiel, Michael. (laughs) Okay, I'm listening. I'm finally listening. Um, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know because... I have a bias. I'm, 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 I have this household that I live in, the Bissenheimers, we are Wout fans. So when Wout is winning, we are happy. We enjoy it. Um, but I'm not necessarily like, I'm not not a fan of Vanderpool and I don't appreciate what he's doing. And I, I like that he's such a killer. So I, I actually didn't really think about this one, Zach. I got I got to tell you the truth on that one. Um, I think you have to give it to Vanderpool because he won Worlds. And we've, I mean, I have talked on this podcast. I'm getting my thoughts together now. Here we go. Okay. I've talked on this podcast if we maybe have seen the, the best of Vanderpool. If his prime is in the past... Um, the incidents that happened last fall at Road Worlds, his uh, incident at the Olympics and his back, he came into the season strong, then had back injuries. And, you know, Wout was able to beat him uh, quite often. But, you know, I asked the question, would he find a way, you know, can he figure out if there's a way for him to win with these deficiencies and will he, you know, play smarter ball and less, less physical, you know, cyclocross. And he said, nah, I'm just going to do it the way that I always do it and go hard. And I'm going to, I'm going to just sprint. Uh, I'm going to take Wout to the line and beat him in a sprint at my home race that my dad designed the course 
in my home country with everything on the line. I'm going to do it my way. And he did it. And he said, bye. Bye, Cycle Cross. And he's out. So there you go. Matthew Vanderpool, Rider of the Year. That's tough to argue against. And I I mean, I I don't know if I if this house is Wout or Nachu. I loved following Vanderpool's career. I loved that he wanted to be a mountain biker. And I love the way that, at least in his early career, he just, like, there were no... There was no conventional wisdom. He, if there was a conventional wisdom, he was not going to follow it, and he was still going to win the race. And it was always exciting. It was always just insane to to see what he could do. However, this season, even with with Vanderpool and Van Art both there, I think that Wout brought more excitement to the sport than Matthew did. Wout's return was more just trumpeted more people were just excited to see him back there and when he was in it and he was racing and winning and just looking just amazing doing it I think that was the high point of the season granted he didn't get it done at Worlds and I know that for him that was the only thing that he was racing the cyclocross season for but for the sport itself you know, he needs Vanderpool as his foil, sure. But even when Vanderpool wasn't there, I think Wout still made the races exciting, and I'm giving it to him. That was a great argument, Bill. It's not one that I had necessarily thought about. I am this household. I don't even have my parents' dog. I was at home. At least I could be like, oh, my parents' dog, Annie. She's also a Wout fan, but... Back in Chicago, uh, after my wait, 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 she actually has a name. It's not just Rat Dog. No, her name is Annie. I came around a little bit. Annie and I spent, I spent six days on the couch. So Annie and I spent lots of QT together. Oh, and you call her Rat Dog. Zach calls her that. Yeah, I call her the Rat Dog. I know, I know. I'm saying her name is Annie, and he calls her Rat Dog. I feel bad for Annie. <laughs> Anyway, I'm alone. I'm in my apartment. We're a wow apartment. But I got to go with <laughs> Curse Period was the highlight of our lives. I mean, that was just incredible. I mean, highlight of maybe 10 years of cyclocross, uh, that brief period of time. But from a season standpoint, both Wout and you were like worlds. You know, that's what Wout said. He's like, all I care about is worlds. I want to win worlds. And then afterwards, he's like, maybe I didn't need to win Worlds, which was very weird. But, you know, I think that it was still coming down to that race. And Vanderpool did what he needed to do to win that race and won that race. So by the slimmest of margins, because he won Worlds, I'm going to give it to Vanderpool. I'm 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 voting right now and I'm doing other and I'm doing Lauren's Lauren's Sweck Rider Great. of the Year. OK, OK. Uh, <laughs> All right. The new big three uh, just gave us so much. I mean, there was just so much this season um, between these three. I think I have a feeling who y'all are going to pick, who I might probably am going to pick. But I don't know. It's a, it's a new day in women's cyclocross. And we have three awesome stars who all have like their their pot, like the reasons to be fans. And it's just super exciting. Your three choices. Femme. Puck or Shireen? 
there were many weeks during this season where I would ask the question, who's the best cyclocross racer in the world right now? And it was mainly aimed at the, the women's elite field. And it, it just went, it could have been any three of them. I think all three of them won that award, you know, on any given week. So it, trying just from that, you know, it is, it's 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 something that I know the three of us are extremely excited about that these three racers are seem to be so equal. I mean, for a while there, I think uh, Femme and Puck it looked like had the had had at least a step on Shireen, but then Shireen came back from her training camp and just crushed everything. And and really, you know, we don't know what would happen at Worlds because she went ahead and just you know did like a. Uh, just a, a, a couple recon laps and won the U23 race um, doing zone two. Uh, and, um, you know, it came down to, to Femme and Puck in the, in the, in the elite race. And I don't know, it's, it's just, you know, the way everything played out, the way that the big races went, it's, it's tough to go against Femme. I mean, that's just, you know, she started out the strongest in, in the, the, when the season started and she ended up the strongest. So I, I, I it's tough to make an argument against femme but i i I would like to hear y'all try yeah i think it would have been different had puck won worlds you know if you're talking about the body of work because she was so dominant she had more wins you know but then you would have said oh she faded at the end and puck was delivered at the end but it she almost just like she delivered at the moment at mantle she was really bad at dutch nationals and then was like went to spain and did what she needed to do to be coming into perfect form and just the way she raced at worlds i think was reminiscent of her dominating early in the season and i mean if you're gonna look to a place to lull if you're gonna lull and you know again dutch nationals doesn't mean as much she she played it perfectly i think that she did so strong early on and then culminated it to be perfect at worlds, which is really what it's, you know, in a lot of ways, what it's, what it's all about when you're a top level racer with aspirations of winning worlds. So I don't know, there's no way to argue against for me, no way to argue against it. Femme Van Empel. This was the year of Femme Van Empel. I mean, you got Femme, you got Sharon, you got Puck. And as you guys said, they've all both the Femme and Sharon had their moments. Um, and shined and had great results and, you know, made us, it made it a trio, right? It made it not just one dominant rider. But at the end of the day, in my mind, if Femme was 100%, she was going to be the one who was going to win. And she won Worlds. She won the World Cup overall. She won the X2O. Because you pressured her too. Because I pressured her too. I called her winning worlds in October. <laughs> uh, she bunny hopped the barriers <laughs> at Fayetteville <laughs> and at, ended at, uh, at Lil Van Van Ample, rider of the year. Yeah. We did it. I'm not going to lie, guys. I feel like 23 24 is really going to struggle to match this season (laughs) from a european standpoint i mean just the incredible racing with these these three women that we just talked about and gushed about and the fact that like we're pretty confident they're going to be back doing it again even better curse period (laughs) the storylines of our subtoppers our beloved lauren swack i just 
this was such a good season. It was so fun to watch. And I just feel like next year is going to be, it's got its work cut out for it to really match what this cyclocross season gave to us as, as fans. Absolutely. It, it was definitely a good one. Uh, thank you all for, uh, being here every week with the media pit. This was a ton of fun. This is a fun episode as well to, to close it out. I think we're at like 296 or 297, which in, you know, the way that I plan these things, it works out perfectly that if, you know, we keep going 300, will be at some time where it really doesn't matter for cyclocross. So maybe we just take the whole, you know, maybe we just take the whole summer off and start again in September. <laughs> well, I was going to say that, you know, we went long. We've really, we've taken your feedback. You think we don't listen to your feedback. Like we've been trying to keep them to an hour because people, that's kind of like that sweet spot. This one went long. You know, but I, I think it's warranted because there was a big season to recap. You're not going to be hearing from us, but I, you know, I figure we'll be back when when Wout Machugo the line at Flanders. I feel like we're going to have to bring get the uh, the gang back together. Well, yeah, I mean, we we I mean, we got to talk about the schedule, the 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 initial schedule that's came out. That I mean, are we going to have a race post Nats? I mean, where is Charm City? I you know, we, we we're going to have to have these conversations. So we should come back next week at least. I agree. We definitely, we definitely, I was only kidding. We will, we will definitely be back. And um, when we are, we'll, uh, we'll talk to y'all then. Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast. And we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Grodio Podcast.